you turn on the shower and then you step under it and then you turn it off and that's it. And I'm like, dude, you should do that a little more. You're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And then we go back to his room and I help him put his underwear back on. He had a hard time with his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, do you know what I remember you saying? I don't know if you remember it because you're like, hey, do you want to take a shower? And then I just got naked in front of you. Uh, And then you're like, oh, God. (laughs) 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 All right. What's up, you sexy beast? It's your boy, Earl Grey, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. Before we begin, do I ever tell you how much I like you and appreciate you for listening? Seriously, I love you. So in your honor, I'm going to go give you a quick ear massage. So sit down, relax, enjoy. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Today's episode is part four, the final part of my ayahuasca story. This is where it gets nuts, including my naked story, new drugs, and we sing in this episode. Quick disclaimer, I don't condone ayahuasca, doing drugs, blah, blah, blah. Do your own research. In today's episode, I finish my chat with Zach the Shaman. We talk about three major things. Number one, the economics of an ayahuasca business, including exactly how Zach got his first customers. Pretty wild how little these guys make and they're happy with. Number two, what are other medicines that people aren't aware of that are becoming popular? And number three, what was I like the first night to Zach? Running away, losing my mind, and everything else. You'll learn these three things and a bunch more. Enjoy. How come you're not full woo-woo? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you did Def Leppard jokes. People are talking about hard things. You're like, oh, yeah, pour some sugar on me. <laughs> you like singing songs during it. And, you know, I think what's turned me off sometimes from different forms of healing or medicine or spirituality is like, your chakras. And I'm like, oh, God, dude, like, I don't believe it. And so you're kind of in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck, I was a stockbroker. And so I came from a very materialistic, logical background. And then I got somehow got thrown into this work with plant medicine. And through that, I have seen stuff that is like, how the fuck did that happen? Why is this working? And I have both direct experience. And then there's also and understanding outside of the plant medicine how important humor and so many spiritual teachers talk about, don't take yourself so seriously. If we're going to talk about God, you ever hear the cosmic joke that everything that we are doing in this life is a cosmic joke and and one level doesn't really matter. And then we sit here and we take ourselves so seriously. And then at another level, everything matters, right? So it's just this weird like both are right and it's funny as fuck and we oftentimes around ceremony and around retreat will make probably pretty risque jokes but sex is funny it's one of the funniest things we do and we have all these hang-ups around it you know with the right energy and approach jokes can be good they can also be very creepy and uncomfortable and we do our best not to do that I guess I was curious, like, what are the things that are out there that are new that most people aren't aware of? Iboga is a powerful plant medicine that a lot of people may not be aware of. And it's extremely effective with opioid addiction. It has like a 70 or 80% success rate. It's crazy. So there's Ibogaine, which they're using for addiction. And then Iboga, to a lesser extent, it has a shamanic tradition from Africa. And there are a few practitioners doing a psycho-spiritual kind of work around Iboga. So Ibogaine is like the extract. It's like the DMT out of ayahuasca. 
And then iboga is the full root bark, the plant. Huachuma or San Pedro, which you may have already heard about, is the, the cactus, very similar to peyote. Then you get into stuff like psilocybin, which is actually starting to be studied as a medicine in Western context. The use of psilocybin in a shamanic standpoint, there's still some Mexican shamans who are working with psilocybin. And then there's some people who have kind of revived psilocybin in a shamanic sense, but it'd be kind of neo-shamanism in my view. But um, from the frogs, there's 5-MeO DMT, which is taken from the Sonoran Desert Toad. The bubbles are squeezed and there's a film that comes out and it's dried into crystals and it's smoked and it's incredibly powerful similar to DMT, but on a different level. Then there's Combo, which is from South America. It doesn't have a visionary component to it. Technically, it doesn't, but you can have visions. And it's amazing at doing a cleanse for liver, gallbladder, and it also is a immune modulator. So if you have an autoimmune issue, it won't jack up your immune system, but it'll rather modulate. If you have a weak immune system, it'll bring it up. It depends on what your immune system is doing. It'll modulate it. It's not fun at all. (laughs) It sucks. You're going to throw up and it's not comfortable. That's starting to get some notoriety. Why do people want that one? The experience itself is tough, but what you're going for are the long-term effects afterwards. So if you have an autoimmune issue, it can be helpful there. Some people are using it for recovery after UFC fights and boxing fights and so forth because it helps with that. It was originally used for helping with hunting and going to war. The tribes in South America would take it before so they'd be stronger. It helps with their appetite. It also enhances their senses. It's just, it's not a pleasant experience while you're doing it. It's like 20 minutes of a lot of discomfort and throwing up, but the after effects are what people are going for. If someone goes and does ayahuasca like myself, what do you do afterwards? This is day three for me. Because I definitely feel more zen. Like I walked out of my apartment this morning and there was all these homeless people that live in tents. And it really annoys me because I'm spending a lot of money to pay for this place. And then they just live for free. They're scary and all this stuff. But this morning I was like, hey, good morning, guys. Have a great day. (laughs) And I'm all like, oh, like I hope they had a great night's sleep. I'm much more zen about things. You know, if I'm having calls or meetings or things that I can tell right away, I'm like, man, you are sucking my energy dry. I was thinking about judgment before going to the retreat, I had a lot of judgment when I saw the people there. When I got to the retreat, I saw this, but I was like, that guy's fat. She's probably got abuse issues. Like, you know, judging left and right. Yeah. I'm just admitting it out loud, which maybe others don't. And then after the retreat, like after the circles and after talking, I'm just like, what I realized and what I noted is that the judgment just came from my own insecurity about things that are wrong with me. Well, what are benefits from the integration that everyone can enjoy? Okay. So integration... The advice is to take time and space for yourself. After this really challenging and sometimes fun and rewarding experience, the time and space to reflect on what happened and maybe kind of go over some of the lessons learned and then the recognition and kind of allowing some of the lessons learned that aren't linear and logical to come forth. Because a lot of the stuff that comes through ayahuasca is not a crystal clear message, but rather it comes in this nonsensical, visual, what the fuck way. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're coming outside your apartment and going, hey, homeless person, how are you doing this morning, right? That's a totally different way of relating to those people that you never would have thought of before, right? And so it's just taking the time to go, oh, hey, yeah, to recognize that sort of thing and space to do so as well. Now, in terms of things that you can do... One, very simple, spend time out in nature. 
just hanging out, have nothing to do, just go out for a walk in nature. It's shocking how nice that can be and how productive that can be after an ayahuasca retreat. That is something you can do regardless. The modern society, the places we live, particularly cities, are way out of balance compared to what we were designed to be in, right? We were designed to be hunter-gatherers. That's how we started in this whole process. And we have moved completely away from the environment that we were designed for. And so when we go back into that environment, it actually feels good. The Japanese have this thing called forest bathing. Forest bathing means you go sit and you bathe in the forest. You just go out into nature. The benefits are documented, right? So that's a good integration tool and it's something people can do tomorrow or today that will make their lives better. <laughs> Everybody loves going out in nature, right? Floating is another great way to do integration post-ayahuasca. It can actually help you kind of go back into that space a little bit and remember it. And it's also, again, space and time where you're just sitting quietly or in this case, floating quietly. Meditation, Jess, myself are huge practitioners of meditation, but we also recognize that's not for everybody. That's why we put forth these other ideas to explore. And there are all kinds of meditation techniques and people tend to get a little overwhelmed and frustrated about trying to go down one meditation path or another. A way to reframe that is, well, it's a good opportunity to post-retreat to explore different meditation techniques and find which one really hits for you. Energy work like Qigong, where you're moving energy around, your body energy around, go out and find a Qigong or Tai Chi teacher, and that could be really fun because you're more in tune with what you thought was bullshit woo-woo, which is the energy that is in your body pretty cool to have those channels open and go into a Tai Chi class and go, whoa, I can feel that. Whoa, check that out. Yoga, yeah, that's another good one because you are taking some quiet time and so forth for yourself. It's not the highest on my list because the yoga here tends to be very much work-oriented and less of the original philosophical intent behind yoga. Prayer, once again, you're taking time to sit alone with God or what you feel is God and listening and talking with God. Our view is, is that ayahuasca opens those channels such that you can connect with the divine on a more direct way. Because we're all about direct experience. We're not about dogma. We're not about doctrine. We're about you figuring out what's your connection to the divine. We can't tell you what that is. Then there are other practices like mantra. Mantra is the practice of chanting, essentially, which can be for people who are so inclined. It's another way to meditate, to open up to the divine. The yogic, our Sanskrit term for mantra is, they call it singing the many names of God over and over again. So all these mantras are essentially connecting with the divine in one way or the other. That sounds great. I mean, I think one major takeaway besides the breakthroughs I had that this retreat provided and what you're saying, a lot of it is like, take time for yourself. Yeah. Take time for yourself in a place that you feel good to think. I can remember, I thought about it earlier today, like the last time I spent three days thinking and working on myself. I'm so occupied with my work or with my friends or with my girlfriend or what's next. And it's nice space for that. One thing that we talked about in the beginning, and now we're going to come full circle, are the economics of a ayahuasca <laughs> business for all the entrepreneur listeners uh, out there. Man, it's a terrible business model. Well, you've said that. And you know, all of the guys I went with are entrepreneurs. We run businesses. So we're like, all right, well, you charge a 600 a head. There's 20 heads. That's 12,000. 
There was 4,000 for the south of the border location. So that's about 8,000 for food, seven, and it's three days. So, you know, you made about like, you know, $6,000 for three days of work. Uh, well, then we have our travel costs. That takes at least two, more than that. And then we also have how many people in the group? We have at least two that we have to divide that amongst, right? So early on in finance, I had a meeting with one of the portfolio managers, and he goes, you know what scales worse? He was a, he was a portfolio manager focused on technology, and he said, what's wonderful about technology is it scales. Early on in my career, my mentor said, you know what scales worse than a truck? Because a truck, you can only fit so much in it before you have to get in another truck. People. So we, and we have a even worse business model. So we have <laughs> we ha- we only allow fifteen to seventeen. As my students start to get better, we might get up to twenty people in a ceremony. Beyond that, then our service to those people starts to decline. So there are retreat centers out there that do 25, 30, 40, 50 people. There's a place in Costa Rica that'll get up to like 70 people. There's no fucking way I can take care of people if there are 70 of them in the room. We've made it a conscious decision to make our group small. And that obviously impacts the business model. Really can only, in a sustainable manner, do one a month. In the time that you notice, we're doing three and it's totally never going to happen again. It's just too exhausting. So we can only do that once a month. You only do one retreat a month? We can squeeze out three if we really push it. Wow. There's no fucking way we can do that on a regular basis. Ideally, to have enough rest and so forth, plus we're doing all the marketing, putting together content, doing the accounting, all this sort of thing on top of the retreats. So it's If we could do that for 40 weekends of the year, then yeah, it's a fine as a business model. But it takes us at least two days just to get back to quasi-normal. It takes about a week before we can really do any significant kind of project from a marketing standpoint after a retreat. We have to wait that long just because it's just like, oh, God, I'm so tired. Plus, we have a kid. It's just crazy. I mean, just to highlight, because I don't think people realize, I didn't realize how hard it was. I think the third night, I finally dawned on me, you were basically passed out on the floor, looked like exhaustion, that I empathize and fully could see what you have to go through. Because not only are you on the medicine, not only are you making sure we're safe, not only are you singing, and then everyone gets their own ventiata at the end. Two hours, each person is getting full energy from you. And I think most people at their jobs, they do, let's say, two really good hours of work. You guys are doing seven hundred percent focused time at work. It must be exhausting. Well, and then we also have to get up and do group circle. In the group your size was three hours, which we're really focused in on each person as they're talking and we're really paying attention. And then throughout the day, we didn't see it so much during your retreat, but sometimes people need help during the day. Like they'll need us to do ventiata or work on them during the day. And we're on call 24 hours for the entire retreat. You know, it's hugely rewarding. And as I said, we've sacrificed some scalability in terms of allowing more guests in for quality of work. You know, what makes it work for us is living in Guatemala. We can get away with the lower cost of living down in Guatemala, and we can do one retreat a month and do okay. So our house is 600 bucks a month for a 2,000 square foot house, two bedrooms and two baths. I'm going to totally plug all your stuff in the email plus in the intro of the episode. But what's your website that you want people to go to for booking? Yeah, ayahuascafamily.com. 
we're down in uh, Guatemala. We're on Lake Atitlan, which is an amazing location overlooking the lake and the weather there. Oh my God, it's so amazing. It's like uh, San Diego weather, Mayan villages everywhere, volcanoes around the lake. It's just an amazing space. It's been called the most beautiful lake in the world by Aldous Huxley, actually. One uh, marketing tip that someone told me, and I'll pass it on to you, is that whenever you want to plug something, is that you got to say it seven times. So next time you do an interview, at least seven times say ayahuascafamily.com. 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 <laughs> so how come you don't charge more? I was talking with my friends that went with me, and all of us were in agreement for the transformations we each got. Mm-hmm. If you were like, hey, it's 2000 bucks, sure. Because if you think about it, it's like you're getting three insane therapy sessions, like not insane, but like three impactful, like so far life-changing. And we got food, we got the reviews of them, we got lodging. We were like, dude, this should have been 2K, I mean, at least. How come you guys don't charge more? Well, we want to make it accessible to a broader range of people. We take the approach of, we want to make enough to have a comfortable life and then have some savings. And that's it. By keeping the price lower and by being in Guatemala specifically, it makes it much easier to get to in in terms of airfare and time and that sort of thing. Again, price lower to make it accessible for middle-class people. And we also have, by design, the accommodations are quite comfortable, but they're shared, right? There's a running water, hot water, There's good food straight from next to a permaculture farm, and we get fresh eggs and vegetables from the farm. So everything is really good quality, but it's not luxury. And part of that is a decision on our part. As we get more luxurious in our accommodation and more accommodating to people, then they're not roughing it. It's important to this kind of work to rough it a little bit. And it's important to be in contact with nature There are places that have super high luxury accommodations, and frankly, we've tried that. And there's a notable difference in the outcomes and the experience itself that we feel we just don't want to be a part of. There's something about the way we do it where it feels very much like family. Whereas once you start to get luxury, then it starts to feel like a transaction. There's enough transactional stuff going on in this world. That's not what we're going for, you know? It's funny you say that because I was commenting to one of the other people that attended. I was really expecting more upsells because I don't know, you go to these like kind of personal development things and it's like, all right, well, now you want to buy our book and now here's our robe and now, oh, you want that next level? This is ayahuasca beginner. If you want the ayahuasca advance, it's only $9,000 and you guys literally didn't do anything. No, I think there's an appropriate place for upsells and transactions. I don't think that ayahuasca is one of those places. I used to be a stockbroker. I get it. I get business models. I get scalability. I get upsells. All that sort of thing, it makes all the sense of the world. And in this context, I want to connect with each individual, and I don't want them to feel like they're being sold. I don't want them to feel like they're a commodity, or that's not what we're about. So yeah, we just made a conscious choice not to do that. We're going to have some private rooms built pretty soon, and that's going to cost more. So we're going to pass that on, but we're not going to try to increase the margins because that market will pay higher prices for that. It's like, no, no, no. We, we're, we're happy with what we got, and we love our work. We want to create a certain vibe, for lack of a better term. How did you get your first people to attend your ceremonies? How'd you get your first customers? First customers? Uh, that was 
purely internet marketing. And I was down in Peru, no one knew us about us, and I just started blogging. And we opened mid-2011, and it started out really slow. But what really got us going was we did a donation basis. And what we did was like, okay, we've got this 10-day retreat, and we don't do this anymore. It worked, and it was also kind of hard to work with at the same time. We said, okay, you put down a $600 deposit for, I think it was an eight-day retreat, five ceremonies, and you had to do a shamanic dieta. Come down, go through the entire process, and if at the end you felt like it wasn't worth your time and you didn't get anything out of it, we will refund you the money. If you at the end felt like it was worth a lot more and you're able to, then we would gladly accept a gift, a tip, if you will, or donation. But if you can't afford it, that's fine too. However, we're very clear about it. He said, if you leave before the retreat is over, then we keep your deposit. So that got us full very quickly and got us rolling. It worked. It was a little difficult because of the lumpiness of the revenue stream, but it kept us going. One suggestion, possibly at the end of the retreat, put out there like, hey, if people wanted to tip, one of the guys asked me, he's like, hey, are you tipping? And I was like, I don't know if we even tip. Oh, yeah. You know my PayPal. So I got you. (laughs) Well, it was funny you said that because you actually refunded me some because you thought the room wasn't as good as you described it. And I actually thought it was a little strange. Oh, not in a bad way, but most people have paid them. Then they're like, you get a bed. They're like, yeah, well, you paid for the room. Here's your room. It was like, Uh, the shaman's giving me a refund. Well, so this work is we're all about integrity, right? So if I tell you you're getting an apple and I show up with an orange and you've already paid me for the apple and I say, tough shit, you got an orange, that sucks, right? I got to make it right. If I'm integrous, I got to make it right. If I fuck up, I got to make it right. That's just the way I look at things. I think that sort of attitude in the short term may cause a little bit of a hit, particularly with your case. It's like, it's a small hit, but long term, you're going to remember that. I was going to send it back. So And I actually took a note to think about for myself, like, don't wait if there's something I wanted to do. Your marketing now is word of mouth like the number one? Well, that's always the best. We do a lot of stuff on Facebook because Google will not allow us to use the words plant medicine, ayahuasca in our name is ayahuasca family or La Familia Ayahuasca. So that just knocks us out of Google. So we just, we rely on Facebook quite a bit, doing a lot of blogging and yes, word of mouth is the best by far. There aren't many other people in Guatemala who are doing ayahuasca retreats. There are a few that they roll through every once in a while, but we're kind of the most consistent, particularly on Lake Atitlan. And so we get a lot of people through there just because they're going to Guatemala and they think we're the top on the search results in Google for Guatemala ayahuasca. As people are not wanting to go all the way to South America, we're getting some hits off of that. We use retreatguru.com, which has a lot of plant medicine, ayahuasca retreats listed. That's a very focused market that we can work with. It's tough because there's so many restrictions around ayahuasca and the marketing therein. We want to make sure that we're aligning with those marketing channels that make sense for us. We actually work with a lot of people who are not really woo. And this show's not woo. Yeah, exactly. Like yourself. We don't talk that way and I don't think we attract too many. We Occasionally we get them. I think in your retreat we got a few. But there are circles that are just like, oh my God, everyone here is super woo and super talking about their spirit guides and this and that. And it's like, that's cool, but that's just not our gig, right? That's great. How would you feel 
if your son Bodhi comes and says, hey, I want to be a ayahuasca arrow when he grows up? Oh, we'd be so much more happy. Well, no, that's what we expect. We'd be really kind of bummed if he decided to become a corporate lawyer. Interesting. That would really just be like, oh, dude, are you serious? Come on. <laughs> Jess was a corporate lawyer for a very short period of time. She graduated law school and was doing international arbitration. She did that for like six months and said, fuck this, I'm out. She might even have a more interesting story than myself. She's an amazing woman that I can't say enough about. That's awesome, man. And coming back full circle as well, we talked about the finances and you're making exactly as much as you guys want to be making. And what I respect and admire about businesses is when they stay true to their values. There's times for myself where I get distracted or I get greedy and I want more and, oh, you should do every weekend and let's do referral and let's give a discount and let's do this and that. I really admire that you guys are like, we are doing it the way we want and it provides us the lifestyle that we want to be living too. Well, yeah. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with what you're talking about, the add-ons, upsells. When you're selling products, (laughs) you know, we're not selling a product. We're simply creating a space for an experience. I was thinking... Maybe there is a way to do this as a monastic order where like the people who are providing ceremony are like priests or monks or what have you, where the community takes care of them. And that's all they worry about is doing ceremony. And everyone else kind of like just donates them food and clothing and a house. And I was like, that'd be so cool. And I don't have to worry about paying the bills. People just take care of me. But that's ridiculous. That just doesn't work in our culture. Totally. Well, I think our culture, the thought is, how do I scale it? How do I progress it? Which is like, all right, well, if I can only do it on weekends, maybe I should spend all my time training other people to be shamans, and then I could take a cut of their money. (laughs) A pyramid scheme. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have any delusions of like changing the world through ayahuasca. We'll impact people's lives 15 at a time. And we're happy with that because there are other people doing this. There are other ways to have similar transformations. Ayahuasca is not the only way to do this. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so now we're going to come to the story that I actually was really curious and selfishly curious about. Like, what was it like experiencing me that first night? And so some background, I was really nervous. I took a full shot of the ayahuasca. I lost my fucking mind and I ran away, which is not very common. It happens, but not common. Mm. And I ended up going back to my cabin and trying to calm down. And then you arrived. So I'm curious from your perspective, when you arrived, what went down throughout the rest of that night? Well, can I point out the irony story of this? As I was giving him his first dose, which was our normal (laughs) dose, and we always check in, see how people... And he's like, well, dude, you know, he's a little cocky. I'm going to come up for seconds. And when I do, just make sure you ask me if I really want seconds, because I'm going to do that. And I'm like, all right, dude, here you go. He, dude, <laughs> one second, one second. Not, not to defend myself, but to defend myself. Yeah. I thought I was actually being responsible by saying, hey, I need you to cut me off. I think that there's times where I could be excessive. And I was proud of myself for that. Poetic justice or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But okay, so our um, other facilitator, Kevin... He actually got you to come back in the first time. And then towards the end of the night, he was like, hey, Noah's not there anymore. He must have snuck out again. And so I just started walking towards your cabin, hoping you were there, because there's nothing worse than having someone go completely AWOL. And you were there. And I was like, hey, man, how's it going? And you're like, oh, this is too much. I was like, okay, okay, no worries. But let's go back into the ceremony space, because it's counterintuitive, but that's where you're going to feel better. And you were not believing me, which I'm used to. And the key thing in these situations is for us to remain very, very calm. 
because if someone is having kind of a little freak out and we freak out, then it just amplifies everything. So by us being calm energetically, and here we get a little wooey again, it helps calm down the other person. And I wasn't in a place of wanting to physically pull you back into the space. You're a sizable guy, and I'm just like, you know, that's not going to go over well. And I've had to do that in the past, and I didn't feel like you were unsafe. And so we kind of talked a little bit. You were like, I'm just going to go into the room. And I'm like, "Eh, okay, that's okay. And then I left for a moment, and I walked back up and said, hey, you know what you might want to try to do is go take a shower. And the showers are just around the corner. And you're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And um, still just like, this is too much. And everyone's making these comments like, I could tell you're definitely jacked up and just like really a little bit scared. Scared, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just go into the shower for like two, you turn on the shower and then you step under it and then you turn it off and that's it. And I'm like, dude, you should do that a little more. You're like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And then we go back to his room and, I help him put his underwear back on. He had a hard time with his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, do you know what I remember you saying? I don't know if you remember it. Because you're like, hey, do you want to take a shower? And then I just got naked in front of you. And then you're like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, do you want me to close the door? You're like, no, 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 leave it open. I'm like, oh, God, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I was a little disappointed in your lack of follow through on the shower. It occurred to me, like, this energy that he's releasing, it does not want to be released, and so it's doing everything it can to delay the process. And so by not going into the shower, it delays the process. And then we went back into the room, and I was like, hey, man, so I can reduce the effects of the medicine, kind of bring what we call the mariación, the effects of the medicine, down. And we start by singing Icaro with our hands on the temples, and that pulls that medicine energy and the effects and makes them more, it won't take one back to normal, but it'll certainly bring them down a bit. So I can do that for you. And you're like, oh, okay. And so he got you set up on the bed, head on a pillow, and I was able to put my hands on the temples. And I started singing the Icaro. And about halfway through, you ripped my hands off. I'm being a little dramatic, but you pulled my hands off of your head. And you're like, no, no, I'm not. Nope, nope, I'm good. Just do it. And I'm like, Okay. And again, like this energy is not going to let us do work to help move it through. We just got to let it do its thing. And then I just sat there silently for a while and just made sure that you're breathing calmly. Every once in a while you make a little bit of noise, but then nothing significant. And then I think we did that for like 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, you're good. And you're like, yeah, I'm okay. It's still intense, but I'm okay. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back into the space because I had some work to do finishing up ceremony. And so I just left him in a, what I felt was a safe situation. And then later that night, we were doing ventiadas, having everyone come up to the altar and, and singing for them specifically. And at one point, I was like, all right, is it Kenrick? And then you sat down, no, it's no. And I was like, so happy that you came back in because we talked about this afterwards. We did the ventiada and ceremony is over. And afterwards, I was like, dude, fucking awesome. I know you were scared. For you to come back in and sit in the space again, have a ventiata at the end of the night, that's true courage. Because courage is feeling fear and then moving forward and doing something that you know deep down needs to be done anyway. And I was like, dude, huge props for doing that because that is the epitome of courage. So once again, props to you for doing that. Good work. And then we hugged. Yeah, I was, I was crying in your arms. <laughs> it was cool. It was very touching. Coming back to the room, I remember hearing a woman sing, 
and I was shirtless. I felt like a little child. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking back to the room and I just felt embarrassed and I felt ashamed and scared and put my shirt on and I kind of try to go quietly back to my mat and uh, be quiet. I thought you guys would be mad at me. After I started tripping, it was you and the other assistant. I was like, these guys are the devils. They're the devils. They fucked my mind. Like, I'm gone. I don't know who I am. And I just thought, you know, you guys would be mad. And it was just um, came back to the room. And for the rest of that night, I was crying. And I had all these moments of clarity around my relationship, which is so much better now. And about things that were holding me back from dad, things about my stepfather. I was just like, just fucking insane, crying the whole time. And when you walk in the room for the first time, there's all these buckets and toilet paper, paper. which is a fucking intimidating (laughs) thing. Like if you came to a conference, a business conference, and every every chair had like, I don't know, like a (laughs) Pepto-Bismol, you'd be like, uh, what? Uh, Yeah. You know, I stayed with it. I went through the fear and through the hard times of facing myself. And it's the best thing I've done this year. I don't know if it's the best thing I've done in how many years. So it was uh, quite an experience. I didn't even know what to expect, nor did I think I'd want to do a podcast and share what you do with the world. Like, yeah. it didn't even cross my mind. Hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And great work. You did really well that first night in spite of taking a little road trip. It's one thing to go through a rough night with ayahuasca it's another thing to go through a rough night and then come back again and walk through the door and do it again we're not of the opinion that you have to drink a full dose every night in noah's case he came back and he's like whoa what can i do and i was like well you can either not come that's always an option we'll never force anyone to drink ayahuasca second option is just touch your finger in the medicine and just a drop that's the minimum to be in ceremony you have to at least do that or you can take a small amount a very small amount We're not going to give you the same amount again. (laughs) We're going to take it down a bit, but it'll be closer to a more manageable amount for you as an individual. And Noah decided to come in for a small amount. And then later that night, you came back for more, right? Yeah. The second night was, I was just scared. I was so scared. But the third night I went back for, I think a three-fourths dose, which it was a lot, man. It was, thank God, not to what the first night took me, but definitely took me to a very amazing place. Challenging and amazing. Yeah. The part of the group circles and in general, what's kind of amazing, maybe that's an way, interesting way of closing it, is that people would be sharing these stories about how some super fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this happened, it was fucked up, and blah, da da. I was abused, and I was this, and I was that. And then what you guys say to them, you're like, yeah, good work. Good work. (laughs) Most times it's like, if you're like, yeah, I was abused and molested. People are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Like, can I help you? I guess maybe that's a good way of summarizing the ayahuasca experience is that you're facing hard things. You're putting in effort. It comes out in a brighter way and it's good work. Yeah. I appreciate everything that you did for me and Jess and Kevin and Carol and just the whole experience. Cool. One thing I wanted to say is, so you participated in a short retreat. (laughs) <laughs> my, seriously, my, you're like a yeah, baby retreat for you buddy on ayahuascafamily.com you can actually see the cost i think it was like 1350 for your next one the dates and then what every day looks like which it looks appealing i mean with that i was wondering like the two parts for me is like all the lessons i learned dude i literally have i don't know it's like 20 or 30 pages of notes and then i summarized it in like seven bullet points of like okay what do i really want to stick with and think about and internalize from this experience How long do you think the effects last? Do you think that you can go to one time in your life forever? Do you think you need to go every six months? One of my thoughts during the last night was like, oh man, I need a booster shot every so often. Yeah, some people do that. Our approach is like, just continue your life. And this week and maybe even for the next month, you'll notice that things are still coming forth. 
all that stuff that you didn't understand during ceremony that was nonsensical, it was working on the subconscious. You'll never be able to write it down, but when you're out in life, you'll just notice you're doing things in a different way that is much more helpful. I go back to you waking up this morning and waving at the homeless people. That is a totally new way of things. And you never would have written that down. Totally. Like, that kind of thing is probably going to be really noticeable for the next week. The, the tail on it, it's kind of like you get used to these weird synchronicities and just new ways of doing things. And so it's not as noticeable for some time. And when people ask us, well, how much should we do and when should we come back? Just keep living your life. And if you suddenly start having like dreams, oh, I should go do ayahuasca or get the feeling that you want to go do ayahuasca, then that is an appropriate time. That is, there's a desire there. We don't prescribe, oh, you need to come once a year. Once again, we have a terrible business model. If it was a recurring revenue screen where you were subscribing for a year, <laughs> then we'd be making a lot more money. It's a terrible business model. Don't do it. <laughs> Do you have a song? Do you go through like, oh, this is one of my favorites lately? I don't know if you felt comfortable singing anything or is it just like in certain modes? Well, Cielo Cielo Ayahuasca is, is our theme song. I don't know how many times we sing it at night and there are so many different versions. I'll close my eyes and just let you rock with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give it a shot. Cielo, cielo, ayahuasca, let the monthly drunk eyes eat us. Cielo, cielo, ayahuasca, let the monthly drunk eyes eat Bundai Monday go go chito flosi tangi oloroso rija rija de barbea pura pura medicine claro claro despejado mundo mundo enterito rija rija de barbea pura pura medicine Limpia, limpia, cuerpoicito, limpia, limpia, chungonito, limpia, limpia, sentidito, limpia, limpia, chungonito, I got nothing, man. I got nothing. That was unbelievable. <laughs> the weekend, actually having this in this recap with you and I'm looking forward to helping you guys and sharing your guys' message with the world. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. Hopefully, we'll, we'll hang out some more. We will cross paths one day. Excellent. Excellent. Right on. That's a wrap. I hope you liked the episode. If you liked Zach and want to learn more about their ceremonies and retreats, check them out at ayahuascafamily.com. That's A-Y-A-H-U-A-S-E-A family.com. If you like this episode, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog. Let's go sing Backstreet Boys karaoke together. Have a beautiful day. What's your favorite flavor of LaCroix?